Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit as it was in the beginning is now and will be forever. Amen. The Lord is the strength of his people. He is the saving refuge of his anointed. Lord, have mercy upon us. Christ, have mercy upon us. Lord, have mercy upon us. Glory be to God on high. We praise Thee, we bless Thee, we worship Thee, we glorify Thee, we give thanks to Thee for Thy great glory. O Lord God, Heavenly King, God the Father Almighty, O Lord, the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, O Lord God, Lamb of God, Son of the Father, that takest away the sin of the world, have mercy upon us. <clears throat> Thou that takest away the sin of the world, <coughs> our prayer. <clears throat> Thou that sittest at the right hand of God the Father, have mercy upon us. For Thou only art holy, Thou only art the Lord, Thou only, O Christ, with the Holy Ghost. In the glory of God the Father. Amen. The Lord be with you. Let us pray. Lord of all power and might, author and giver of all good things, Graft into our hearts the love of your name, increase in us true religion, and nourish us with all goodness. And of your great mercy, keep us in the same. Through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. The Old Testament lesson for this, the 20th, the sixth Sunday after the Trinity, is written in the 20th chapter of the second book of Moses, commonly called the Exodus, beginning at the first verse. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of slavery, and you shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself the carved image or any likeness of anything that is in heaven above 
or that is in the earth beneath, or is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers unto the children, unto the third and fourth generation of those who hate me, but showing steadfast love to thousands of those who love me, and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. On it you shall do no kind of work. Nor you, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your maidservant, nor your livestock. Or even the sojourner that is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them. And rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord hallowed the Sabbath day and made it holy. Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long in the land that the Lord your God is giving to you. No murder, no adultery, no stealing, no bearing false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house, nor covet your neighbor's wife, or his male servant, nor his maid servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Return, O Lord, how long? Have pity upon your servants. Lord, you've been our dwelling place in all generations. From everlasting to everlasting, you are gone. Epistle lesson is written in the sixth chapter of St. Paul's letter to the church at Rome, beginning at the first verse. What shall we then say? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. How can we who died to sin still live in it? Do you not know that all of us who were baptized into Christ were baptized into his death? We were baptized, therefore, with him by baptism into death in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father, we too might walk in newness of life. For if we have been united with him in death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in the resurrection like his. We know that our old self was crucified with him in order that the body of sin might be brought into nothing, so that we would no longer be enslaved into sin. For the one who has died has been set free from sin, now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also will live with him. We know that Christ, being raised from the dead, will never die again. Death no longer has dominion over him. For the death he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life he lives, he lives to God. So you also must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. This is the word of the Lord. Hallelujah. O Lord, do I take refuge? Let me never be put to shame. In your righteousness, deliver me. Hallelujah.
gospel is written in the fifth chapter of St. Matthew, beginning at the 17th verse. Glory be to thee, O Lord. Jesus said, Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have come not to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass from the law to all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these my commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds that of the scribes and Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. You have heard it said of old, you shall not murder, and whoever murders will be liable to judgment. But I say to you that whoever is angry with his brother will be liable to judgment. Whoever insults his brother will be liable to the council, and whoever says you fool will be liable to the hell of fire. So if you are offering your gift at the altar and you remember that your brother has something against you, leave your gift there and go to the altar and go, before the altar and go. First be reconciled to your brother and then come and offer your gift. Come to terms quickly with your accuser while you are going with him to court lest your accuser hand you over to the judge and the judge the guard and you be put in prison. Truly, I say to you, you will never get out until you have paid the last penny. This is the gospel of the Lord. Praise be to thee, O Christ. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of his Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men and for our salvation came down from heaven and was incarnate by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary and was made man and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. And the third day he rose again according to the scriptures and ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of the Father. Glory to judge both the quick and the dead whose kingdom shall have no end. And I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord and giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spake by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Christian and apostolic church. I acknowledge for the remission of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead, the life of the world to come.
fell in Adam's fall. One holy vexed them all, such is Sunday. And over all the wrath impends Through all our past corruption creeps And our sin dreadful bondage keeps In guilt we draw our infant breath And reap its fruits of woe image lost our darkened souls, seeks not nor finds its heavenly goal, <clears throat> but Christ the second Adam came. New life is ours, new light, new hope, new strength, new past. Disgrace our every way attend. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Flood myths are almost universal, and for good reason, because catastrophe is one of the first revenge effects of agriculture. See, humanity figured out that the best place to grow crops was in the alluvial plains and in the deltas. Well, the problem there is that you have flooding, or they like to live near the coast in hurricane zones, and here we know that we have hurricanes, so we have natural disasters. We call, they call them catastrophes. But without that fertility in these rich places, like on the coast or along the floodplains, agriculture is just not as efficient. So humanity has had to have a trade-off for many, many millennia of living where the danger of flooding is greatest. But in the modern times, through technology, we've been able to sort of mitigate some of that risk through the development of new technologies that limit the, the risk, like like early warnings, we've got the National Weather Service and we've got the hurricane hunters and we've got uh, the satellites that let us know when the hurricanes are coming or when high rains are coming. And we were able then secondly to improve 
the structures to control storm surges and, and, and floods and warnings. We have levees and dikes and pumping stations and, and, and warnings so that we can thirdly evacuate people from areas of danger quickly. And this has led to the, the revenge effect of placing a lot more people in harm's way than historically would be there, right? See that through the building of levees and dikes and you know, in, in, a, in the country of Bangladesh led to the opening up of all kinds of reclaimed land. So that in 1970, when a massive cyclone slammed into that delta country and broke the dikes and levees, between 250,000 to 500,000 people were killed in a night. We really don't know how many for sure. Somewhere in there. Because the dikes failed, just like they did in New Orleans during Katrina. And the waters came. And the people died. That was a revenge effect of reclaiming land from the sea or reclaiming floodplains for settlement. Something similar is happening in the United States. Since 1900, the number of people killed in hurricanes has actually gone down significantly. It used to be around 6,000 a year, and that's when most people didn't live on the coast. Now that more people are on the coast, actually the number dying in hurricanes yearly is somewhere in the tens. Not that many, but the cost of damage to housing and buildings has gone up astronomically. It was as high as 1.5 billion in 1997. It's in the multiple billions today, every year, because people have been able to live closer to the coast and they like it here and they build their houses here and then their houses are gonna be damaged by hurricanes and floods. It's interesting. It's a revenge effect is what E. Tenor calls it in his book, Why Things Bite Back. But the Lutherans also have a revenge effect of our theology because we've got this really great theology, don't we? We believe that we are saved by grace that salvation is not by works, lest any man should boast. Ephesians 2, 8 to 9. We believe this. It is, this. it is at the center point of our theology, that the just shall live by faith, as Habakkuk says. Well, good, that's true, and I agree that that's true. It's a good thing. But when we look at Ephesians 2, 8 to 9, where it is by grace that we've been saved through faith, it is not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. We don't read the full context, do we? Because... Because the, the word goes on to say by St. Paul, we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance that we should walk in them. And so is it true that we're saved by grace? Absolutely. I don't deny the Lutheran doctrine. I think it's wonderful. But often when we read the first part of this verse and not the second part of this verse, we say, hey, this is great. I am off the hook. I don't have to do good works. I don't have to worry about my neighbor. I can just live selfishly for myself, right? Because God's going to work it out for the neighbor. Isn't that right? Yeah, that's what he's going to do. I don't have to worry about it. So we don't read it in context. We don't read the to do good works part. Because to do good works to the Lutheran ear is suspicious. It's suspicious, right? It sounds like error, doesn't it? As Missouri Synod Lutherans, we eye so-called works suspiciously. I mean, we don't, we really don't, don't think that social ministry is something that the good Christian should really be doing maybe a lot of, right? I mean, that's something that the papists, the Roman Catholics who teach salvation by works, that's something they do. Or maybe those other Christians who don't really believe in the virgin birth, or they really don't believe the Bible is the word of God, or they, 
they kind of think that a lot of it's just mythology. Yeah, they're in a social ministry because they don't have a heaven. They don't believe in the afterlife necessarily. But we, we the conservative Christians, why would we do good works? I mean, that's what we're accused of being as Missouri Synod Lutherans, and often that, that, that criticism is valid. So what's the point of doing good works? If, I mean, I agree that we're saved by grace, so why should we do good works? Well, I ask the question, does Jesus forbid doing good works? As Luther once made the observation, God does not need your good works. He does not need them. He doesn't require them for himself. But you know who does need your good works? Your neighbor needs your good works. Your neighbor needs those good works. You know, I need your good works and you need my good works. We need each other for good works. And Jesus tells us in Mark 12, 31, for instance, love your neighbor as you love yourself. He also says that whatever you do to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. That's from Matthew where they talk about the, the last judgment where, you know, on one side are the sheep and on one side are the goats. And to the sheep, Jesus says, come into the, have, come into the rest prepared for you by my Father who art in heaven from eternity. Because when I was hungry, you fed me. When I was thirsty, you gave me something to drink. When I was naked, you clothed me. And then they said, Lord, Lord, when did we see you thirsty and give you something to drink? Or, or hungry and give you food? Or naked and give you clothing? And Jesus said, when you did it unto the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. That's why God tells us in Leviticus 19, 18, do not seek revenge or bear a grudge against any of, any of your people, but love your neighbor as yourself. I am who I am. Therefore, Jesus goes on to say, therefore, all things whatsoever you would have men do to you, do you even so unto them. For this is the law and the prophets. Doing unto others, in other words, that as you want them to do unto you, is the law and the prophets. And like I said in Bible class this morning, the word law and the prophets literally means the Bible. If you want to obey the Bible, you love your neighbor as you love yourself. You do unto others as you want them to do unto you. This is the scriptures. It's the essence of it. It's what Jesus came to do, right, on the cross. I mean, Jesus wanted you to live, and so he gave his life for you. He dies on the cross so that you might live. He does unto you what he wants you to do unto him. That's why Jesus says in our gospel lessons today, he says, do not think that I've come to destroy the law or the prophets, which is the scriptures. I did not come to destroy but to fulfill for assuredly, I say to you, till heaven and earth pass away, not one jot or tittle will by no means pass from the law till all is fulfilled. For I say to you that unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. We say that again. Unless your righteousness exceeds the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you will by no means enter the kingdom of heaven. You see, the Lutheran error, our, our error in practice often is derived from this misunderstanding of the feud Jesus has with the Pharisees. See, we, when we, read the, we hear about the Pharisees in Bible class, or we hear about it in Sunday school, or we hear about it in church, or when we read the Bible, we, we kind of deduce from the, that that the, the Pharisees bad, Jesus good. True, Pharisees bad, Jesus good, I agree. They are. That's, but Jesus is not actually telling us that they're bad. 
He's saying, because he says, our righteousness has to exceed theirs. In other words, Jesus is recognizing that the righteousness of the Pharisees is a legitimate righteousness. In fact, would you want to have your neighbor be a Pharisee? I would. I would like everybody in my neighborhood to be a Pharisee. Why? Because the Pharisees are good people on the surface. They keep the neighborhood covenants. They mow their grass. They take out their garbage. They don't play you know, loud music at two in the morning. They, they, they do, they keep the laws and they're good people and they're nice and polite and always do the thing that's said in the etiquette book correctly. That's who they are. They're good people. It's just they misunderstand what Christ wants from us. And your righteousness has to exceed theirs. That's a pretty high bar. <laughs> that's a real high bar. Maybe too high? You see, the Pharisees, they came from a group that most of us know about them, but, but you know, they came out of a lesson that was learned because of the fall of Jerusalem to the Babylonians. That was like the, the final straw, you know, like the Holy Land, everybody's been kicked out of it. And so for 40 years, the, what's left of the Jewish people, they're in exile in Babylon. And a, and a group of them got together and said, you know, this happened because we were not paying attention to the Bible. We were not doing right, so we got to do right. We got to keep the rules. In fact, we got to make rules so that we don't break the real rules. And they did. They strove to be really good people, and they were, on the surface, really good people. But see, the problem is God judges the heart. And they misunderstood it. They misunderstood God's instruction, His Torah, His law. See, God's instruction, His Torah, His law, it's got two edges to it. There's the prohibited part, you know, what you're not supposed to be doing. But there's also the, there's also the, the active part, what he wants you to do. Yeah, don't do this, but instead do this, right? Because that's what God is. He doesn't do this, he does this, right? He's not selfish, he's selfless. He's selfless to the point where he dies on a cross for you. He, he, he's so selfless that he gives up his life for you while we're his enemies, Think about that. We're his enemies. And he dies for us. Who does that? Who? That's why Jesus goes on to say in our gospel lesson, you've heard it said that of old, you shall not murder, and those who murder will be in danger of judgment. And I say to you, whoever's angry with his brother without cause will be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother, racha, that means like in Aramaic, empty-headed, shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says, you fool, shall be in danger of the hell of fire. Gehenna. And that's just, man, that's, wow. Because you just see what Jesus is doing here, right? You see it. He's setting the bar higher than Moses. Because we all have this impression that the Old Testament, you know, that's like the, that's like the law. That's like really tough stuff. God is really being hard on people. That's why he wipes them out, you know, with fire and brimstone and stuff. But no, no, Jesus here is taking that bar from Moses and he's setting it like three levels above that. And now you've got to take your pole and you've got to run at that and you've got to try to get over that bar. That's a hard bar to cover. And that's what the Pharisees were trying to do, weren't they? Trying to do it to the best of their ability. But what Jesus here is, is not talking about what you teach. Because we, we in the Missouri Center are really good about teaching. We really want everybody to be taught the truth. And we're really strong on that. But I think really the point here, according to Davies and Allison, and I agree with them, is that the, the point here might have more to do with doing rather than teaching. 
more about doing. Because they were trying to keep the law to the best of their ability, the negative stuff, but they weren't doing the positive. They were ignoring the positive. You know, and Luther excellently highlights this in his small catechism. He, Luther's small catechism is just brilliant because it really kind of, in a, in a nutshell, expresses the, the point of God's law very succinctly. Like, for instance, the fifth commandment. Take the fifth commandment. Lo rasach, no murder. I read it like the Hebrew presents it in, over at the lectern earlier. No murder, right? What does this mean? Well, it means you should fear and love God, Luther says, so you may not heart, hurt or harm your neighbor in his body, right? So, like, for instance, so, like, you're at school, right, Caleb? You don't, you don't, like, you don't beat your neighbor up, right? You don't beat up the kids at school. You don't get in fights with people. You don't, you don't hurt people physically, Right? You go, well, I'm doing that. I'm not getting fights. I'm not hurting people. I'm not you know, punching anybody physically. I'm not murdering anybody. Well, that's good. That's good. You're not. That's good. You don't do that. But the other part, the positive part, is you're supposed to help and befriend your neighbor in every bodily need. Are you doing that? Oh, yeah, I didn't get in the fight at school, but did you stop the fight? You know, did you just turn away and ignore the hazing going on at the football field house or wherever it was or, or, or somebody's... A, abusiveness to their spouse or their or their kids or whatever did you I mean you know it's just not enough that's not not you're not supposed to get it but you're helping befriend him in every bodily need you know and sure yeah sure you're not you're not committing adultery I got it good don't commit adultery you shouldn't right thou shalt no no adultery but do you love and honor your spouse do you hold him in love and esteem or in contempt Right? Or the seventh commandment, no stealing. Don't steal. Right? Okay, fair enough. Don't steal. Don't, we should fear and love God that we not take our neighbor's money or goods to get them by false wear dealing. Good. Don't. You don't steal. I'm glad you don't steal. But do you help your neighbor protect and improve his property and business? And, and this is like through the whole thing, right? That the whole, all the commandments, Luther, you know, he, he points out the negative and you go, oh, good, I don't do that. I'm what a good boy am I, or a good, good girl am I? But, but then, then he brings out the positive, and you go, well, I don't, yeah, you're not really doing that, are you, though? That's what I tell myself. Yeah. That's the law. That's the mistake of the Pharisees. They think that because they do one part of it, that they're good. And they're ultimately ignoring the greatest problem. Do unto others as you want them to do unto you, right? right? What, what is the thing you, you and I need? more than anything else. Is it clothing? Is it food? Is it drink? Yeah, we need these things. That's true. But what is the greatest need we have? Well, the greatest need we all have is this, that we have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, and we are all going to die. All of us. One day, soon or later, will die. And the soul that sins shall die. And then what happens? You know, the Pharisees were so concerned about their own salvation and doing it correctly for each one of themselves individually that they ignored their neighbor's need for salvation. That's why Jesus said you put burdens on, on, on yourselves and others that you yourself are not even able to bear. Why are we here this morning? Why are you here? I'll tell you why you're here. You're here this morning because somebody a long time ago in your back trail, or maybe more recently in your back trail, drug you into the house of God and made you go to church, didn't they? Your parents, your grandparents, your uncle, your aunt, 
Maybe it was your spouse. Maybe it was your brother or sister. Maybe it was a good friend. But somebody took you and brought you to church. In some cases, you were forced to go to church, right? Right? You didn't always want to go to Lutheran. No, I, I didn't want to go to Lutheran always. Let's be honest. Right? My parents drug me to church. My grandparents drug me to church. Or somebody brought you to church. And what did they do? What did they bring you? They brought you, to the, brought you into the presence of the words of eternal life. They brought you to the waters of holy baptism. And there they brought you to baptism. And there you were born again of water and the spirit. Why? Because God used them as his means to bring you to that thing. And brought you back again and again and again. And then they, then they, again, they brought you to confirmation. And you were confirmed. And you received the words, the, the body and blood of Christ under bread and wine. And you tasted and saw that the Lord was good. And that his mercy endured forever. And why did they do that? They did that because they knew that one day you would die and you need eternal life. Did they enjoy your complaining and your resistance or my complaining and my resistance? No, they did not. No. But they did it because they knew you need what Christ alone could give. And this is the work that exceeds that of the scribes and the Pharisees. It is the reason why we are here. It is the reason why we today will receive the sacrament. Because somebody cared for us enough through the merits of Christ to bring us to his cross and to bring us into the place where salvation is given to us. And it's wonderful that that happened, right? Somebody did that. It's a selfless work. It is. Jesus did the same for us. He died on the cross so that we would live. And Jesus says that if we are to be worthy of him, then we have to take up our own cross likewise and follow him. In the name of Jesus, amen. It's true, though.
back. I heard only good things about Pastor Khan last week. I'm glad that y'all um, were very gracious to him. He's a, uh, a classmate of mine. I think maybe maybe I might be a year or two ahead of him. I'm not sure, but he uh, he's a good good man, and I appreciate um, his willingness to come here and serve us. Um, altar flowers today are given in memory of Vi Johnston, by Jeff and Kathy Williams, Ray Johnston, and, and Sharon Bishop, and then. Also, the youth will be helping out with swallowing clothes on Saturday, August uh, 6th. Uh, also, uh, the other big thing that's happening this week, uh, it's in your bulletin. I didn't do Blue News, it's just in the bulletin, is on starting Wednesday and then Thursday and Friday and then Saturday, it's going to be the Black Family Convocation over at Trinity Mobile. Pastor Omer Marshall is hosting that, but that's actually a very big deal. I didn't realize there's going to be like five district presidents there, and uh, a lot of people from all over the country are coming, and so... Uh, a lot of y'all know Pastor Ulmer Marshall. He's been a fixture in our circuit for, I think, 50 years or plus. And uh, he announced two Sundays ago to Trinity that he is retiring in a year. So next July, he's done. Uh, he's retiring. And uh, so this is really important. It's kind of like one of his swan songs. And I just hope that if you know him and want to go, even to, just to look around the, 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 um, the, the people that are there uh, with their booths or whatever uh, and say hi during that time, it'd be great. Uh, for some of y'all that know and love him and remember him to do that. Uh, I, I included a link uh, there for the website that's in the Senate that talks about it, and you can get all the information about, about it from there. But it's not just for uh, black families, it's for any family, but uh, uh, that's kind of the focus is, is the black families within the Missouri Senate. So I just hope y'all will consider that. And that begins Wednesday evening, and then that's all day Thursday, all day Friday, and then Saturday there's a youth outing that's attached to it. Uh, good. And then um, some of y'all know I, I was gone. I went to visit my uh, aunt in Michigan, uh, my Aunt Barbara. She, um, and my, she's my godmother as well, and she's dying of uh, cancer, has a really bad cancer. We prayed for her healing, but it, the prognosis at this time is not very positive. And um, so I would, would really pr appreciate it if you covet her in your prayers. And then also I just want to let y'all know, too, that when I was coming back from um, Michigan, uh, I stopped in Indianapolis and did a quick wedding for John and, and Audrey, John Parsons, Audrey Clark. So they are officially married. Uh, they plan on having a bigger, a bigger uh, grand party later uh, with a wedding, um, wedding ceremony as well to celebrate it. But it, and I don't know where that's going to be. I'm of course lobbying for Fairhope, Alabama, um, but uh, we'll see. But just keep them in your prayers. Um, they um, are very, very happy. So are we. Uh, good. Then uh, I have a few prayer requests today. One is uh, for Bonnie. Bonnie Smith asked that we pray for her uh, friend, Marilyn Williams, who has got a recurrence of a rare cancer uh, and is under undergoing tests. And then uh, also the Davis family um, wants us to remember uh, Levi Blunt, who is Gina, Gina Blunt's uh, husband. She had, Gina had married Levi. And Levi died in July, on July 11th from heart complications of heart uh, heart failure from heart complications and so um, we're praying for Gina and um, the, fa the Blunt family and the Davis family as they mourn Levi's um, death and then Bonnie Smith also asked that we pray for uh, Matthew uh, Bowden Neely uh, who um, her first cousin he also has stage four lung cancer and is recently diagnosed and is taking tre treatment so we, we will pray for uh, is, it, is that Martha? Martha? Martha, I'm sorry, I thought it was, okay, I'm sorry, Martha Bowden-Neely, Bowden, okay, thank you, Mar Martha Bowden-Neely, did I get it right? Good, the Lord be with you.
Let us pray, shall we? In peace, let us pray to the Lord. For the peace that is from above and for the well-being of the churches of Christ and the godly unity of all Christendom, let us pray to the Lord. For this holy house and for those who in faith, piety, and the fear of God offer here their worship and praise, let us pray to the Lord. For Matthew and Eric, our shepherds and bishops in Christ, for all pastors and teachers and all people, let us pray to the Lord. For our nation, all our people, for our president and Congress, our governor and legislature, our judges and magistrates, and all who serve in public office, let us pray to the Lord. For the sick and the sorrowing, for those who mourn, for those who are in need and distress, for the homebound and the infirm, especially we pray this day for Doris and Marianne, for Bill and Joyce, Martha and, and, and Mary, Mark and Eddie, Norma and Kim, Suzette and, and Barbara, Mar Marilyn and, and Glenn, Dean and Terry, Jackie and Tony, Chris and Marion, Meredith and James, George and Larry Dean, Earl and Suzette, for Bob and Mallory, Mark and Hank, for Isaac and Haley and Jay, for Tracy and Michelle, Carl and Karen, for Jimmy and Tina, Ainsley and Kevin, for Ron and Mary Ellen, Brian and Natalie, for Thelma and Jesse, Ralph, Theo, Easton, Doug, Hugh, Waylon, and Ryan. We also pray for the families of our parish who mourn. We pray uh, especially this day for the Chant family, the Blackwell and Cooper families, the Tatum and Rogers family, the Tuckle family, the Gross family, the Floriansing and Parsons families, the Freeman and Nielsen families, the Ausbacher and Schwartz family, the Gallardi family, the Whitfield family, the Gershenschlager family, the Johnston and Williams families, and the Bird and Ulrich families. We also pray for those in service to our country's armed forces, especially Riley, Paul, Turner, Paul, and Hayden. And we pray for all of our university students, including Minnie, Noah, Katie, Dylan, Aiden, Jason, and Jacob. And we pray, Heavenly Father, also for those to whom death is drawing near and for us all, that when our last hour shall come, we may depart this life in the confidence of the true faith, the consolation of a right, devout, and holy hope, and in the communion of Christ, holy church. Let us pray to the Lord. And so recalling those who have gone before us in the faith and rejoicing to share with them the Sabbath rest which Christ has won for his people, that together with them we may be found faithful in the day of judgment and rejoice in the day of the resurrection of the dead, let us pray to the Lord. We pray especially for, for Marilyn Williams and Martha Bowden Neely and, and also um, for um, uh, all others of our parish, uh, such as Paige Ellis, who are also um, suffering from uh, cancer or some ailment. Almighty God, everlasting Father, the, the eternal salvation of them that believe, hear our prayers on behalf of thy servant, uh, Martha and Mar Marilyn and uh, Paige uh, and Barbara and all others, whom we offer up our supplications and, and implore thy aid and mercy for them. For we know that no word is too difficult for you, and that you can heal all infirmities, no matter how grim they may seem to the world. And so we ask that you would heal these people whom we've named, and that so that they may soon render thanks to thee in thy church for the merits and the mediation of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God now and forever. And finally, we pray for the Blunt family, especially for Gina Davis Blunt, and also for the Davises as they mourn the death of Levi. Have compassion, O Lord, upon all who mourn, and upon all who are lonely and desolate because of the death of Levi Blunt. 
be thou their comforter and friend, and give them such earthly solace as thou seekest to be best for them, and bring them to a full knowledge of thy love, and wipe away all their tears. We ask this for the sake of Jesus Christ, thy Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. 